Welcome to Heating Up, the podcast that talks about climate change in the Midwest. I'm your host, Emily Fisher, and I'd like to tell you a story about me, my home state of Minnesota, and how we can use storytelling to save our natural world. So let's start with my story. I grew up in Lake Elmo, Minnesota, which is a small farming suburb of the Twin Cities. I spent most of my days as a kid outside, you know, no matter the weather or the season. I was running around, building forts, fishing, biking, swimming in the dirt and the sun and the snow and the rain. And as cliche as it sounds, nature is just part of who I am and it's where I feel most at home. But of course, there are parts of nature that terrify me, like tornadoes, for example. And I'm not the only one who had this fear. I was a kid in the 1980s, and I was really terrified of tornadoes. That was Kenny Blumenfeld, another Minnesotan who now works for the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources, or DNR. We both confronted our fear of tornadoes the same way. And I started trying to learn about them, and I was going to the library to try and understand them. For Kenny, it was the library. But I'm a child of the digital age, so I turned to Google. Either way, we developed a fascination for science. And we kept going. Kenny wanted to know more about the weather, and I was really interested in animals and plants. But now, years later, we have a common research topic, inspired by our love for Minnesota's environment and the fear of losing it forever. And that topic is climate change. I help people understand what's happening with Minnesota's climate. And I have found that with science communication, connecting it to things that are more personal to people. Um, And sometimes that means telling a story from my childhood that I know people can relate to. And sometimes it's just talking right to their needs. Kenny is both a scientist and a science communicator. He researches the scientific data that shows that Minnesota's climate is changing, and he communicates that data to key decision makers and resource managers in Minnesota. But even without Kenny's presentations, many Minnesotans see climate change with our own eyes and within our own lifetimes. The stories kind of come out. So I got called on to a radio show uh, several weeks ago, and then they opened up the lines and people were just calling, telling their own stories. They had nothing to do with data. So this is what made them care. It made them care that they couldn't dependably flood their backyard to go ice skating anymore. And All I had said was, you know, we've gotten warmer and our winters are getting shorter. And it was like everything poured out from there. What Kenny does is show people that these stories are linked to climate change. So just like I explained tornadoes to myself, he explains what Minnesotans have experienced in terms of science. And while Kenny was telling me that scientists are measuring warmer and shorter winters, I couldn't help but think about how I have seen evidence of that throughout my lifetime. See, I live overlooking a lake, and in the winter, dozens of ice fishing tents appear on the ice. My family even has a running bet where each year we guess when the lake will completely freeze over. Every year, our bets get later and later in the season, and every year, the ice fishing tents come and go more quickly than the last. And this is just within my lifetime, two decades. That's a blip in terms of Earth's lifetime. Think about how it will be in 100 years. I mean, Minneapolis is already ranked second among U.S. cities with the fastest warming winters. In a few decades, the land of 10,000 lakes will probably look a lot more like the land of 10,000 swamps. But I know that many people can't really picture what a changing Minnesota climate means for them. So I often find myself using this story. I started fishing as soon as I could hold a fishing rod, and I've gone almost every summer since. 
When I was a kid, we fished off the docks, on the banks, on boats, on floating rafts, I mean, wherever we could, and we didn't really think about what we brought home with us. But now there are a lot of rules. There's a strict limit on what kind and how many fish you take home. You aren't allowed to dump any leftover bait in lakes. You're supposed to check your boat for zebra mussels, which are an invasive species. And at most public water access sites, a watercraft inspector is there to make sure that you don't break any of these rules. Ed Quinn, Natural Resource Program Supervisor for the DNR, says most first-time anglers are turned off when they see the long list of regulations. Geez, the first thing they see is this like 200-page book of fishing regulations. It's all for good reasons, but if you're new to it, it can feel pretty overwhelming. And it is all for good reason. These regulations help protect Minnesota's aquatic ecosystems from exploitation and climate impacts so that future generations of Minnesotans can continue to enjoy them. Now, Kenny Ed and I agree that politics can often get in the way of meaningful communication and education. Here's what Kenny had to say about politics and science. There's nothing inherently political about climate. And I'm not saying that therefore it shouldn't be political. It's just a good reminder to all of us that we made it that way. You know, there's a lot of things that are also factual that people would never even bother to argue about. Like, you sneezed. Bless you. No, I didn't. Because right now there's no policy implication for people who sneeze and there's no blaming happening. And there's, there's, it just doesn't have any of the baggage. When talking about policy, Ed Quinn mentioned that Minnesotans overall do have a lot of support for preserving our environment. He mentioned the Legacy Amendment, which designates a small portion of the state sales tax to maintaining Minnesota's parks, trails, and aquatic resources. And when the DNR conducted a survey at the amendment's 10-year anniversary, they found that the majority of Minnesotans are seeing the benefits and supporting the DNR and other resource management organizations. It's pretty unique, and and it really demonstrates the passion that Minnesotans have for their natural resources and for the outdoors. While Kenny and I work on researching and communicating the impacts of climate change, Ed experiences it firsthand every day. He found his passion in natural resource management, working for the DNR's Division of Parks and Trails. I've been in some of the very parks that he told me had been hit the worst by mega rain events and droughts and, more recently, influxes of people from the pandemic. Funny that Ed should mention that, because the pandemic has reconnected many people with the environment. In March of 2020, right at the start of the pandemic, I moved back home with my parents, sister, and brother-in-law. So my sister, her husband, and I went for walks at Tamarack Nature Center every weekend to get out of the house and keep ourselves mentally stable. And I think we grew to appreciate nature and our access to it a lot more during that time. We watched the park change from winter to spring to summer to fall, and I, for one, was moved to become more environmentally conscious in my daily life. I think a lot of people, not just in Minnesota, but around the world, had a similar reaction. If there's one thing humans can unite around, it's that we don't want to see nature disappear, especially in Minnesota where our environment is everything. I mean, we're famous for our parks and lakes. Recreation, tourism, and fishing are three of our most important economic industries. And to see that disappear would just be tragic. Regardless of whether all Minnesotans believe in climate change or not, we all have stories. Stories that show that our environment is changing. The Minnesota that I was born into is not the same Minnesota that I see today. And I don't want future generations to have that same experience. So what do we do? Well, let's start by sharing our stories without the politics, without the arguments, and without the blame. Because our stories reflect a personal connection to the environment. 
and maybe the best chance we have to save it.